here, right? Chicago! Woo! Three titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, and oh, wait, one second. All right, welcome in to the newest episode here. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm your host, Dave Melton, deputy editor and podcast host for this year's show. And with me, my two usual line mates tonight. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi. No quips? No quips this week. Uh, nah, I, uh, we don't I got nothing. Time. We don't really have time for opening tangents tonight because we got a lot of stuff to talk about in a quick amount of time. So right. with that in mind, also with us tonight, if he's not d- uh, done making Tommy LaStella hydration memes, it is Brandon Kane. Hey, it's me. Be nice. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> be nice. Don't be an asshole. Hey, speaking of that, how about that White Sox offense, huh? Hey. I haven't watched a single game. It's just <laughs> I watched Sunday night, most of it, and then uh, by Monday, I'm like, all right, I don't care. But then I saw what they did, and I kind of wish I'd watched Monday now. I think after the the White Sox scored that 6-7 run inning that on Sunday. um, I don't know, Brandon, from a Cubs perspective, what that does for you, but all the things that had me excited about the White Sox lineup are, like, multiplied by about 9,000 right now. So I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I don't really know too much about the Cubs, but – I know there were some concerns about the roster. I don't know if it was a pitching staff thing or what, but is is that is the pitching staff now like DEFCON 4 at the moment? I mean, probably is for someone, but I haven't watched a single game. Ah, I've seen like fan. highlights and stuff, so that's like reassuring that like, hey, like more games are happening in the U.S. Like this could be a thing for big four leagues as well as the soccer leagues that are going. So like – that's nice because next Wednesday the Blackhawks play an exhibition game against the Blues, which is weird to think about and even fathom at this point. Yeah. But it's yeah. right around the corner. So. I, th- I think the, the fact that baseball has gotten as far as it did suggests that maybe this this might work. So, um, And obviously with hockey going up to all in Canada, it seems like it is going to work too. But before we get into all that, well, I guess we've already gotten into that before. But a ton of Blackhawks news because as we started talking about last week and are continuing to discuss this week, we now have a week and a half of this pseudo training camp thing that the Blackhawks are doing. I believe phase three is what we're calling this, right, Brandon? That is correct. Thank you very much. I appreciate the Chris Farley reference every time you do it. So the big news that's come out of the last few days of Blackhawks practice, again, it all revolves around goaltender Corey Crawford, who from the very beginning was deemed hit with the unfit to part it was unfit to play and then one time Colleton said unfit to participate whatever the case may be he is not practicing at training camp but there was some comments today from general manager Stan Bowman and I believe uh it was Bowman and well here the direct quote from Bowman in Brandon's article that you're seeing at secondcityhockey.com if you haven't seen it already at this point, we and ruled out. We have a fair amount of time before August 1st, and that's the first game. We're not thinking that far ahead right now. We're really here day-to-day, aren't we all? Right now, he's not here, so we're focused on the other goalies. So that answers the one question I had is, where is Corey Crawford right now? Is he home in Montreal? Does anybody know where he is? He's he got to be in Chicago, right? 
Maybe. We, he was, I don't know where he lives. I, and I think majority of people uh, don't. I mean, I know, I like, know. during the season he lives, but when everything got shut down, he's originally from the Montreal area. So did he go back there? Like, I, I don't know where his – Yeah, he probably did, I would guess. Because um, Carlton was asked point blank, like, is he in Chicago? And he, like, totally ducked the question. Because this goes back to what happened the last time Crawford had a health situation – well, maybe a health situation. We don't even know what the situation is right now. But I remember listening to – it was on the score. Dan Bernstein had this segment where he just – it was one very simple question. Where is Corey Crawford? Because the Blackhawks were in the middle of a season, and theoretically Crawford was supposed to maybe, maybe possibly be coming back from his concussion issues. But nobody knew where he was. Uh, he wasn't showing up at practice. He wasn't, like, popping in the press box at the United Center getting – uh, on the camera eating popcorn during the games. So just just that very simple question of where is he, and it feels like we have that question again. I don't think any – no one seems to know where he is. I imagine the Blackhawks do, and this gets into that weird p- place of, like, privacy of professional athletes, but they're also, like, public figures, so there is some privacy that they lose in that situation. But I don't know, Shepard, like, is, do you have any thoughts on this? And, and I, I'm guessing you don't know where Car- – Corey Crawford is, but is that something that we should be getting to know at some point? Uh, I think so. This is a very special case in that uh, I don't think many NHL players opted out, and like the, the ones that the, I think, yeah, and the ones single that, digits, the ones that did shouldn't be judged for it. No, the ones, the ones that like, I feel like it's a case where Corey Crawford's sort of in between that. Where, like, he hasn't officially opted out, but he hasn't, like, ruled himself in either. And, like, he is, like, if you – I think if you asked, like, the Blackhawks roster, who's the guy with, like, the most private life? I think most of them would say Corey Crawford. Um, it certainly seems that way. Because, like, he just, like – he's just – he's very quiet. He just likes cars. And that's just his, yeah. <laughs> that, that's just his thing. Yeah. Um, like, I just – he's – I think it's fair to want to know where he is because he's the starter as soon as, as soon as he shows up on ice for the Blackhawks. But uh, it's also fair for him to want privacy right now, and we don't. And I, it's fair that the black that the players wanted um, unfit to play and unfit to participate for this contest. Yeah, like uh, we saw what happened with Austin Matthews. Um, I, I, we don't know. I don't remember him getting a concussion towards the end of the season is the only like relief in my mind. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like it's an injury thing unless he got injured during workouts. Like one thought that just popped into my mind is if he's in Canada right now, maybe he's just decided that he didn't want to come to the States because of the coronavirus situation down here, even though Chicago's doing better than a lot of other areas. Maybe he just wanted to stay in Canada, and then when the Hawks go to Edmonton, he'll just fly to Edmonton and meet him there. Maybe he was told he'd have to quarantine for two weeks in the United States, and he was like, "Nah, fuck that. I'll just go to. Um, I'll just quarantine for like a week in Edmonton instead." Yeah, I mean that's possible too. Uh, I, like the thing is, like it, it leaves. It, it, like again, it, there's that gray area between the the privacy of a professional athlete, but also the fact that you're a public figure. So privacy isn't always something obtainable, but what it can lead to is just wild baseless speculation about where Crawford is or what's wrong with them and what's going on behind the scenes and all this bullshit. That's really not fair. People are going to do it. We're going to not 
go any down any of those rabbit holes here. But the very simple question of where is Corey Crawford, it feels like that is a I don't know. You could just say he's home in Canada and that would be fine. And yeah. from there, if you know he decided not to come to the States or he's staying home with his family, whatever the reason is, I don't know. It feels like that little nugget of information wouldn't be so bad to give out, but I'm not in that situation of the pro athlete, so I don't know. Brandon, what about you? What are your thoughts on all this? So Bowman said that they're hopeful he'll return before they travel to Edmonton. So that the most optimistic take I can give is the Blackhawks are off Wednesday. Crawford shows up Thursday, does workouts on his own, then is with the team Friday, does workouts, and then like actually practices with the team Saturday and Sunday, and then they leave to Edmonton. That's like the most optimistic approach. And then the flip side is he just shows up Sunday, and they're like, oh, yeah. He's on the roster. Yeah, like you, how, like you just never see him. How much time does he really need to get ready? Like, you know, he's he's a veteran. He's been around forever. I don't think. But like, he, if you're practicing with like random, this is the assumption that he's, you know, in Montreal, practicing with like random prospects that are from the queue. Yeah, how, that's how a, they shoot and they're shot velocity is going to be vastly different than what he would see in Chicago if he was there. So right. I'd have more, I, I would I'd guess have... that if he does, if he is like fit to play and everything, they'll give him a period against the blues in the exhibition game. And then right. from there they can decide, yeah, he's good. Let's play him against the Oilers or eh, let's see what else we have available. Yeah, I mean, if he is at all – if he gets, like, two, three practices and he's ready, I would rather have him in that over anybody else the Blackhawks have. And that's not really – that's less of a knock on Delia and Subban and Lankinen than it is the ultimate confidence that we should all have in Corey Crawford because of what he's typically done in the postseason. So and that, there's also the communication part, right? Like, yeah. he knows how to communicate with these defensemen. He knows, like, hey – Guys, can you just, like, not stand in my way? Like, Cover that great. guy right in front of the goddamn net. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, the point that you made, Dave, about coaches, like, you can say they're unfit to play or participate, but you can also, like, add a level or add another layer to it. Like, uh, former Blackhawks defenseman and current Boston Bruins coach, is Bruce Cassidy's doing, where he said, like, hey, he's unfit to participate. This is not COVID-related. That's what I got for you. Yeah, I... So it, like, kills that level of, like, questioning that people would have. And I don't know if that's something that the players have been like, that's cool, like, that still fits within the lines of the return-to-play ruling that has been going on. And that has been talked about with the teams and the coaches when they give out this information. But the thing that's like been puzzling to me is teams have practices all year round. Right. And then they say like before the practice, so-and-so's out. Why don't they do that before these practices? Why do we have to wait until the coaches talk to find out why so-and-so's gone? Yeah. It's, it's just, 
the whole situation is bizarre, and we're going to dive into that unfit to participate slash play label in a little bit because I think that's kind of the, part of the crux of the whole thing. But before we dive into all that, there was a Jonathan Taze update today. Speaking of unfit to participate slash play, he left practice on Monday while they were working on the power play, and it seemed like he just broke his stick, and he never came back to practice, and Colleton said they were just trying to keep him fresh, nothing other than that. And then today, he slapped with the unfit-to-participate label and didn't practice at all. So, what the hell's going on with Taves now? I think this was like a maintenance day thing. But oh, because so Colleton said, like, yeah. <laughs> Because Colton said he's keeping him fresh, then like right after that, Colton was like told, "You can't say that. You just have to say he's unfit." Because that was like how it came off when he said it. It was like, well, as we're told, we have to say that he's unfit, and it was just like I just have to tell you this. Like I got nothing. I don't know. Get like saying Taves needs a day to keep him fresh, but then, like, is Duncan Keith going to get a day off? Is Kane going to get a day off? Because Kane's about to play 30 minutes a game once he's playoff start. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense that Taves would be the only guy getting these maintenance days. Because, he, he, to my knowledge, he's the only person that's gotten one, right? Nobody else has gotten one. We're a week and a half into this. Yeah, and the, the guy who would make the most sense to get a maintenance day is uh, a guy named Brent Seabrook, uh, who uh, hasn't got one. Well, we're... <laughs> We'll get into Seabrook later. That's a he needs a maintenance. I mean, awesome. Oli Mata kind of got one, kind of, because he played with the second group on last Friday, I believe it was, and he wasn't with the main group. Yeah, like if if the concern is keeping some of the veterans in shape, I can totally understand that. But when Taze is the only guy that's gotten a day off, again, just red flags like crazy. On the good news, it's certainly keeping the conversation going. Maybe that's, that's maybe that it. was the whole plan. Maybe that was their plan all along was to just keep us all keep the mystery going about what the hell's going on with I don't know the whole Blackhawks roster it seems at this point because two other players that were probably even more important than Taves considering how shitty the Blackhawks defense depth is uh, both Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy missed practice on Monday. They missed a lot of practice. Well, they they both missed most of what had happened so far, right? I can't keep... Uh, five days for DeHaan and four for Murphy. Thank you, Brandon. I'm glad you're here. Anyway, DeHaan and Murphy <laughs> were back on the ice Tuesday skating, but they did not practice with the team. So does that mean they're fit to skate but unfit to participate? Is that what that means now? I mean, they can skate, but Carlton didn't say when they would like return to a full practice. Yeah, his, his direct quote is that it was great to have Murph and DeHaan back on the ice. We'll get them going as quick as we can. When they join the full group, or when they will join the full group, I don't know. And without DeHaan and Murphy in the lineup, like, I, we already, me personally, already thought the Hawks were kind of screwed without Crawford in the lineup. Now you take DeHaan and Murphy out. I don't know who plays defense on this team. I don't know who played defense on this team during the regular season, so I sure as hell don't know who's going to play it now. Brandon Saad. Just put Brandon Saad <laughs> at every defensive position and just let him go off. Well, don't put Mackenzie Entwistle back there, right, Brandon? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> just... for, those, for those who missed it, there was a video. Kirby Doc just did this. It was really unfair doing it to Entwistle, who's 
like 19, 20 years old and, and not a defenseman. And Doc just undressed him in the defensive zone and went and scored. And it was really a nice highlight reel goal. You feel bad for Entwistle because he's not a defenseman, although he looked like other Blackhawks defensemen have looked at times this season and how some of them might look against Connor McDavid in a week and a half. So maybe that was just preparing us for the worst. I Like when I clipped that video – I saw the five and I was like, oh, that's Nick Sealer. And then I saw the eight and I was like, oh, that's Mackenzie at Russell. I just felt bad. Yeah, like I, I don't want that to anybody out there that's a big Mackenzie into Whistle fan. No reason to get upset about him getting destroyed, like undressed in the defensive zone. That's that's going to happen when right. you're forward trying to backskate and play defense and all that. Especially, especially with his size, too. Yeah. And especially against a guy like Kirby Doc, who's apparently just. Yes. Yeah, he he has like, uh, like out of nowhere, quarantine was good for him. Yeah, I, it's his is his first like time off of hockey in like seventeen, eighteen months because he went right into his last junior season. Right, I thought you were going to say seventeen or eighteen years. <laughs> no, so he went right into his like last junior season in Saskatoon. Then he goes to under eighteen worlds goes through the draft, does all the, like, media stuff in Chicago. Rookie showcases and – The prospect camp, yeah. then the convention thing. Then he goes to the showcase in Michigan. It's just like a whirlwind, and he, like, finally got time to just, like, sit down and be like, damn, my life changed a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go lift some weights, like – yeah, that, that's another thing that people, uh, I think some reporters have mentioned, that he looks a little bit bulkier than he did four months ago, which, you know, he's 19 years old still, right, 19? He's got a lot of time to pack some muscle onto the frame that he has, and he's got – he's 6'4", so he's got plenty of room to add muscle, and you can, you can really turn him into a quite the monster. He, he I think – I think we talked about this at the last podcast. I think it's Doc and Boquist are the two players I'm personally most excited to watch just because – that's supposed to be the future of the team, so. Throw your eggs guys, in that basket. <laughs> there's guys like DeBrincat and Murphy who have never played in the playoffs. Do you want to see too? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, trust me. Well, DeBrincat and Murphy are right behind Doc and Boquist on the list. Like, I know what Patrick Kane's going to do. He's going to, if not match Connor McDavid, he's going to come close to doing it point for point. And then uh, Taves will probably have, well, if he plays, fingers crossed, given everything that's going on right now. Uh, he should be back, and he'll probably have a nice, steady style of performance. Um, and then, you know, then uh, Duncan Keith will probably be fine. If Corey Crawford plays, I'm sure he'll be fine. And then it's like like Shepard was talking about, all the guys that are the unknowns, the Doc, Boquist, DeBrinket, Murphy, Saad, Kubalik. There, there's a lot, mean, of, a lot of guys were – who just Saad's not, that un- Saad's, Saad's not that unknown. We know yeah, what I, I, yeah, I, I should take Saad off the list, but Brandon's point of Drake Kajula is a very – Interesting name to watch. Wait, Kajula wasn't on that the last Edmonton team to make the playoffs? He was. He, he was. That was but, his rookie year. Yeah, he obviously yeah. he probably didn't get a ton of playing time. So just in general, uh, that's I don't know what he would do for the Blackhawks in the playoffs. Yeah, he got well, he got 13 games and scored three goals. Played 15 minutes a night last time Edmonton was in the playoffs, or last time he got in the playoffs with Edmonton. So so there's that. That is an interesting grouping of him, Doc, and Kubelik. Yeah. 
And also, it's, it's, the Nylander Strom and Kane line is just torching everything in practice, which Strom and Kane no makes defense. sense, but then Nylander you thought might be the anchor, but apparently putting him with two pretty good talents is getting something out of Nylander too. Wait, then who's Debrinkat with? Up top with Saad and Taves. Can we get ups- can mm. we get upset about lines yet? Are we allowed to do that? Yes, we it is right now. It is, I, I am it is not. Now. I have no. I have nothing to get upset about. But Shepard, if you want to get upset, go ahead. <laughs> Don't put. I. Uh, I as I wrote about in the Debrinkat article that'll be coming out soon. Uh, don't put him with Strom. Weirdly, like they're that's when they're at their worst. Is together. All right, and and that's and that's that. So before before we get too far away from this topic, I want to go back to this unfit label that the NHL is using. Now I understand this is collectively bargained, and apparently the players wanted this. I, I again, I, I want to preface that I understand there's like HIPAA laws involved here, so there are some privacy issues involving that. I feel like sometimes the public feels like they're entitled to all this information on professional athletes. I don't think it's necessarily true to the extent that some people demand it to be true. However, I don't understand why we can't just say players are injured. And like, if you want to go even go back to just the upper lower body injury, fine. Like you ain't got to tell me that a guy's got a sprained MCL or his, you know, shoulder labrum might be torn. You don't have to get that detailed with me. Just tell us what the fuck is going on with some of these players. Like, this unfit to participate or play label just opens up so much speculation. It's infuriating to me, and I don't understand. I, I, I just don't get the point of this. I really don't. And this comes from someone who's looking at it from a journalist perspective who's always advocated for more information to be out there. So I would admit a personal bias in this situation, but – it just seems so stupid to me. Brandon Shepard, what do you guys think about this? I, I again, I, coming at it from a, from a person who, like, wants the players to get whatever the players want um, because it's millionaires against billionaires here. Um, completely understand why they want it. Completely understand why they got it. Completely understand that they should have it at least – like the NFLs, like, they had to just deal with it and be like, how long, how many seasons do we need this for? Like – if this if it's if it's just for this playing tournament, then we're fine. Yeah, like I don't understand who this protects. I think the players. But that, again, the 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 Austin Matthews thing I think scared a lot of players. That like Scott, what Steve Simmons just like outed him in a major paper in like the most prominent hockey town in the world. Um, that's it's it was bad when he did it because nobody else was doing it. Um, and so uh, that's, I think that scared a lot of the players, and they were like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So it's Steve Simmons' fault. I'm glad we can play Steve Simmons yeah. again. Still annoyed by the uh, made-up bullshit Phil Kessel story he did three or four years ago. Brandon, what about you? As somebody who works in hockey media, at, like not just what me and Shepard do, yelling at our computer screens about the Blackhawks, <laughs> actually interviews NHL players. What are your thoughts on this situation? So my view is that it's a good thing because the only way you could get around the COVID thing is if you labeled those players upper body, because <laughs> if you have an they injury would report, do that. Is, is COVID an upper body injury? I guess that would be. Yeah, it would be. 
Yeah. Because when you think about it, if, you are, think- if you're labeling these injuries to like a specific body part, right? Then you're going to have like three names and they're all going to be like knee, finger, ass, I don't know, groin. <laughs> And then it's going to be like the common body injuries for hockey players, knee, finger, and ass. <laughs> Sorry, go on. And then it's just going to be like a name and then a blank. It's going to be like, Hmm, I wonder what that is. Like you clearly know that that would be the coronavirus, right? Yeah. So I feel like that is the, some of the logic behind it because if a team is like listing this specific area not upper lower body for all their players. And then you see like one or two guys are upper body and you don't see them for two weeks. You're like, Oh, well I can just connect the dots on this, which people will do regardless if it's unfit to play and you don't see them for two weeks. But this is offering a sort of protection on that side of it. Um, I think for, some reporters it's more frustrating because they don't know if it is like this player has coronavirus or it might be like a testing delay. Yeah. Which is something that's been brought up a lot in baseball in the past two weeks. Are they having, I like, wonder if they're having those testing delays in Canada. Cause well, I mean, I, I'm assuming they're still testing once they get to phase four in Canada, but I, I, so yeah. I have no idea what the delays are like in there. I know there's plenty of delays in the U.S. Yeah, so it's a thing of like, do they have it? Are they just sitting out two days because they might have come in contact with someone and they have to do a test that would be on a, like, quote, off day compared to the regular testing of the rest of the team? But, like, in, in baseball, like, this happened to the Cubs a few times. They said that there were players that their test results had not come back yet, so they're holding them out for a day or two. And it, it sounds like the NHL would just call those guys unfit to participate, which, right. like, what's – I don't – that's just such a, like, minor thing. Like, I don't understand why they need to hide behind this unfit. I think that part, like, if that were to be a situation, that's protecting the league. So it looks like their return to play um, plan is going super smoothly compared to <laughs> the rest of the leagues who are like, well, like we did the testing, but like it's not back just yet. So like homeboy's got to sit out. Homeboy. I and that's kind of look bad because it's like, well, matchup wise, like this player would have done really well against so-and-so. And that's like super baseball talk because it's like, individualistic sport compared to hockey where there's more of a team element. Yeah. I, I don't, I just, I just don't understand it, but it's, I guess it's something we're just going to have to live with in the short term. Speaking of weird labels, the Blackhawks <laughs> have a new one, a slogan, I guess, not a label, but uh, apparently they're setting aside the one goal thing. They haven't officially retired it according to, uh, who was it? It was a Bowman that said it, or it was a team memo. They said they haven't made a decision on the long-term future of one goal or all for one, but apparently they're looking at fresh, taking a fresh look at all areas of the business, including team slogans. So uh, what does all for one do for you guys? Uh, I think, A, I think they're not deciding on a, a new 
official team slogan until they have a president in place. That's probably, uh, yeah, probably a fair point. B, what does any team slogan do for anybody besides marketing department? Yeah, I, that's, that should be the beginning and the end of the discussion. Like who really cares? I mean, the one goal thing was cool when they first came out with it. Right. But and, then, then, then they scored one goal in a game against the Predators and that was. <laughs> one game. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I, I have no other takes. It's kind of, I made the joke on Twitter is that reminded me of the the wedding song from every wedding I went to seemed like in the nineties by all for one, uh, which I apologize to everyone that just got that stuck in their head. And then uh, there, obviously the three Musketeers references have been prevalent on social media for the last couple of days. I'm sure somebody's going to Photoshop a three Musketeers picture with all the Blackhawks faces. If someone hasn't done it yet, if you want to, please send it to us. We will happily credit you for it, and we will use it everywhere. But uh, Shepard, you, you made a comment. Uh, Brandon, do you have any burning all-for-one thoughts? Other than the fact that the font sucks. like I, Yeah, the, the F on that is just throws me off. It I don't looks, know what like, is going on. It looks on almost like Comic Sansy, and then you don't want to get in the Comic Sans world of fonts. So... Yeah, I mean, I get the whole, like, three bars for, like, the past championships and then the three most recent ones and the yeah. stars for the city flag. Like, it all looks good, but that F just, like, really throws me off. Also, the, that it's my, lowercase. this is my inner graphic designer coming out. It looks so off-centered to me. The all and the four look like they're right next to each other, and the ones, like, yeah. sitting off the side by itself, and it really is unsettling for me to look at, so... And it's not just like the tail end of the R either. Like that could be moved over a little bit. Yeah. This is way too specific. So <laughs> we're just going to move away from this because I, I got nothing else about this. Any, uh, any, unless you guys have some burning thoughts on team slogans, because like Shepard said, uh, I don't really know what else that does for me. I think they should, uh, if they do retire the one goal, raise it to the rafters. National Predator style. We just come up with, <laughs> no, we come no. up with banter, banners. We're, we're or, not going to – I don't think the Blackhawks need to raise – like, I don't raise a banner, but, yeah. That can be the welcome back for John McDonough. <laughs> instead, of, instead of raising, like, a jersey number, they'll ring a marketing slogan to the Raptors. For that. There you go. Call it the – it can be one goal, and then there can be a Blackhawks hat, and it has to be facing forward. <laughs> and also, which, like, and also wearing a Blackhawks shirt. Yeah. Which, shirt. Can't be shirtless. I have noticed in interviews, the only player I think that did it was Taves. That, what, the backwards hat? No, that wore a hat like forward like by the bill of what was. And only Mata wore a hat backwards, and everyone else has just been like random oh, t-shirt. Oh, that's that's still hat. they're still adhering to the McDonough interview rules. I gotcha. No, they're not. Oh, no, they're no not. not anymore. But Taves right, is okay. Yeah, Taves is the only one who did at that time. But I think that might have just been like a habit. Well, he's I the think, captain, so he's got. Yeah, I think Highmore might have worn a team hat too, but. Also, when you think of Matthew Highmore, you're like, yeah, of course he did that. <laughs> All Just right, like well, a guy who goes by the book. But that's what happens when you hang out with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon during the summer. Fair points. Well, on that note, 
I think we're going to wrap up the hockey discussion of this here podcast because after last week's uh, passionate French fries, onion rings debate, we have decided we're going to keep this food take thing going for a while, see where it takes us. So I got tasked with the assignment tonight. So what I want to do here is I want to lay out the proper protocol for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, because I think there's a lot of open interpretation out there, but I think there's, I've got a method and I, I think I'm not going to tell you I'm right, but I'm going to tell you, you, if you don't do it this way, you're probably wrong, whatever that means. So what you want, first off, the, the most, one of the more important pieces, you need some good bread. Don't get little like shitty 99 cent store brand bread. Get some good whole wheat, multi-grain style bread, like the Aunt Millie loaves that are extra large slices of bread. Probably your best because that gives you the most coverage area for your toppings. The ratio here, you want to go two to one peanut butter to jelly. I don't know where these people that pile on mountains of jelly or jam or whatever onto the sandwich. Seems unnecessary. Seems like it's going to make a huge mess. Two to one, the peanut butter keeps the jam slash jelly on the sandwich. Doesn't make a mess and you don't have to have a massive cleanup afterwards. I'm a big jam guy, not really big into jelly. So, cause jam gives you a nice smooth coating on the bread. Again, helps keep everything clean, keeps you from making a huge mess. Uh, grape jam, strawberry jam, whatever you want. I'm not going to yell at you for it. Pick whatever fruit's your favorite, but I will say jelly has to be on top when you eat it. And so you want to do apply the peanut butter to one slice of bread, apply the jelly slash jam to the, or excuse me, the jam to the other slice of bread, put them together, jam on top. I think that's it. Questions, comments, concerns? What do you think of the peanut butter and jelly that's all in one jar? Awful. Stop doing it. Okay. If if you're eight years old, cool, but otherwise, don't. (laughs) You're an adult, buy peanut butter and jelly. What's your go-to jam? Uh, Grape Smuckers. Whole wheat or white? See, I'm more of a whole wheat guy. I'm not going to yell at you for white bread, but it's kind of boring. I think you can spice it up a little bit. Go with, get some whole grain or whole wheat, multigrain, and it's healthier for you than just plain white bread too. So there you go. Your, your distribution ratio, what's wrong with one-to-one? Because peanut butter is that, you need more of it. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. I almost forgot the most important part of this conversation. Uh, crunchy peanut butter. I don't know who thought, like, jam is supposed to be smooth. Peanut butter is supposed to be crunchy because there's peanuts in it, hence the term peanut butter. So I don't know where all these weird smooth peanut butter people came from, but get that shit out of my face. Give me the crunchy peanut butter all day. That's fine. You don't have to like it, but just just know, hi, I'm one of those people who likes creamy. Well, Shepard, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm right, but I know you're wrong. Especially in peanut butter jelly sandwiches, the point is to be creamy, creamy. The point is the texture. Like you have to, it has to be like, the texture is a match better with creamy and like jam or jelly than peanut butter, than like crunchy peanut butter does. And also crunchy peanut butter is way too dry. Like there's a weird thing where crunchy peanut butter dries out your mouth. Peanut butter in general dries out your mouth. Not creamy. That's why you're you're like you're chewing it and you're like, like that peanut butter does that. Creamy, creamy peanut creamy ah, creamy peanut butter doesn't do that to me. Well, oh, that's because you're eating the wrong peanut butter. 
Mm, I think I'm. I think I'm eating the right peanut butter. Brandon, what about you? You're the. I don't know if we can call you the neutral party, but you're the. Uh, you're the third person here. So, what, what what's your take here? I don't like peanut butter. Oh. 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 Damn. Right. <laughs> is it because it because of the reason I just described? That it's I just, dry. I'm just not a fan of it. It just has this weird like texture to it, and I'm not about it. Do you partake of any other nut butters? I one, I can't believe you just said those words all together. <laughs> I mean, there's like almond butter and pecan butter. Please don't say the phrase nut butter on this podcast. <laughs> 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 that's not pre- that's not preceded by a prefix because like we've been talking about nut butter this entire time. Just, we just added that we just added yeah. the word p before it. Oh, um, <laughs> there goes the PG rating. There was no PG rating before. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, just no. I mean, oh. I've I've had peanut butter before, like during relay races that I've run, because it's a good source of protein. I just like stomach through it. But as far as like jam jelly, I don't give a shit. But strawberry is the way to go for me. I've never heard anybody ever, except for like people with peanut allergies. I've never heard anybody say they don't like peanut butter. It's this weird. is a big moment in my life. So Not wait, now. do you just eat jelly sandwiches? I imagine he avoids the entire food category then, right? Or, or is it like yeah. jelly and butter? Yeah, like toast. <laughs> it's, yeah, like toast and jam for breakfast. I got you, but man. By the way, uh, and I even mentioned that part of it. If you ever make a PB&J with toasting the bread, just chef's kiss, really perfect snack. The best, like the best, pop, the best, uh, not a sponsor, hashtag not a sponsor. The best peanut butter and jelly sandwich is the Hot Bellies because they do toast it. I've never had their – I usually go for the uh, chicken and cheddar at Pop Bellies. So I haven't branched out to the PB&J, but maybe uh, maybe this conversation will steer me in that direction tomorrow. Do you ever need, like, a pick-me-up when you're down? <laughs> Hot, Bellies, <laughs> Hot Belly peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You've been pretty down for the last four months, Shepard, so where the hell were yeah. you in April? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in April. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I guess the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is that Brandon doesn't like peanut butter, which, what? Man, I don't know. I'm just uh, wait, an old so man. You're against, you're against objectively the best candy in the world, Ben. Wait, but is peanut butter that? candy? Reese's peanut butter cups, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. You're not, My you're not against candy this? is pulling peel Twizzlers. What? That, yeah. Okay. I think I think we just need to do, like I know we were supposed to be supposed to alternate. I seed my time because we just need to go in on on Brandon's Yostian level <laughs> food takes. I seed my time. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I Twizzler. Like of all the candy, of all, all the candy bars out there, like Reese's, Twix, Kit Kats, Three Musketeers. You're going Twizzlers. Yeah. Skittles, Starburst, like even in the fruit category, there's so much better. Rolos, Rolos, Jesus, they're portable. 
There's lots of them. So so was, so like, was most every other candy, candy bar ever. <laughs> what what candy bars are you eating that are not portable? portable? Are you just like somebody who likes string cheese better than other cheeses too? I wouldn't say that. Okay, so it's not that part of it for you. I, oh. I mean, I all right. Twizzlers or red vines? Then Twizzlers, right? Of course. Okay. I mean, I I love a good Twizzler. That's they're like high on my list of road trip foods. But if if I was going trick or treating as a kid and all I got was Twizzlers, that's a pretty shitty Halloween. On the other hand, if all I got were like Kit Kats or Twix bars, that's a pretty yeah. good Halloween. I'm, I'm sorry, you're if you're afraid you, you need variety. It has to have chocolate in it. I'm just I'm you need just, you need to have variety. Those, those are I didn't make the rules. I'm just telling you those are probably the rules. Your favorite candy bar needs to have chocolate in it, or you're probably wrong. Among the names that you've mentioned, Kit Kat is up there. Okay, well, okay. I, I, at least we found some common ground. Uh, so yeah, so maybe next week we'll just yell at each other about candy bars. Or we could save that for October when normal people talk about those things. Yeah, because trick-or-treating is definitely not going to be a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, I didn't even think about that. I, like, I'm like, on, it's like one holiday. Here's a, a Kit Kat and here's hand sanitizer. <laughs> like, we just got done with 4th of July, which was different because there were so few parades and fireworks shows. So I guess the next one is like, what, uh, Labor Day weekend? I guess we'll find out if whether or not you actually go to cookouts. Do people have cookouts? How's that all going to work? Just just one holiday at a time, and then we'll, we'll, I'll worry about Halloween once we get to October, once we figure out what's going to happen with the end of the hockey season and maybe the football season. So we'll, yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I think we can pull the bridge up on this episode because I don't think anything else is going to pass through the ah, – fuck it, I don't even know where I was going with that analogy. But that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Brandon Shepard, any final thoughts? Wear a mask, wash your damn hands. Wear a mask, wash your damn hands. Wear a mask, wash your damn hands. The rest of the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. All right. I think that'll do it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. We're kind of slowly wrapping up our regular season recap story and then we're going to shift towards previewing the upcoming series against the Oilers if any other news breaks we'll write about it well I say we'll write about it but it'll probably be Brandon writing about it but that's just the way things kind of work uh we'll have more episodes probably you know another one coming up next week you might see some Monday and Friday shows pop in here and there uh follow us on Twitter you can leave us a good five-star review on iTunes if you're really feeling friendly and uh I think that'll do it for Brandon, for Shepard, I'm Dave. Thanks so much for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and go Hawks. Da, 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 da.